Amen. Good morning, everyone. What, what is normal in terms of layers of clothing we should have on, on a day like this? No normal. I've got three, but it's not quite enough. Amen. At least my heart is warm from the singing and the fellowship. And uh, my fingers will catch up just now, I hope. You know, the order in which we do things is really important in life, if you think about it. It's not just what we do, but the order in which we do them. Um, you know, imagine if you put the dishwasher on when it was empty, and then afterwards you put the dirty dishes in. Wouldn't make sense, right? Um, imagine if you wanted to apply for a senior position, and you sent in the application, you know, for a senior MD position, and... They got back to you and said, you know, uh, dear Neil, uh, you seem to have forgotten to attach your CV. And I said, no, no, I haven't studied. I don't have experience yet. I first want to do an MD job and then I'll go to varsity. Wouldn't make sense, right? Um, you know, imagine if, this isn't going to work for me. Imagine if Caitlin is standing in a queue randomly at the spa and the guy sort of starts chatting to her and says, um, I want to marry you tomorrow. And Kate says, I don't even know you. So he says, don't worry, let's get married first and then we'll get to know each other. <laughs> okay, crazy, right? You know, the, the order in which we, we do things is important. You know, imagine if you got paid your first salary. Um, imagine when I earned my first salary about 40 years ago. And um, the first thing I did was just to spend it all in a week. You know, like, yeah, I've got some money, I'm going to spend it all. And I used my salary slip to actually get a loan for the future. Doesn't sound right, eh? You know, the choices we make seem important, but also how we structure and order things. Um, so today I'm going to speak about um, finance, finances for Christians, and I've called it Finances 101. This is kind of very introductory. I'm going to share some um, principles that we find in the Bible about how we should think about our finances, how we should approach them, and how we should spend and invest our money. Now, some of you yeah, on, haven't yet started earning money, right? Um, and I just want to say, if I had have got this sort of talk before I got my job, um, this would have helped me tremendously. Okay, so please don't shut off because you're not earning money yet. Um, the sooner you learn these principles, the better. Amen? It's going to set you, you guys up to really um, do well uh, while still pleasing God. All right, so... Um, let me pray first and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you, God. Thank you that we can connect with you and with one another. Thank you, Father, for the warmth uh, just in our fellowship and in our relationships and how just singing to you has helped to just warm our hearts, God. Father, I pray we come to you not just with warm hearts but with open, humble hearts this morning as we speak about a subject that, that can cause um, anxiety, it can cause um, guilt and shame. It can even cause anger, God. Uh, but I really pray, Father, that uh, as we speak about finances in a way that you want us to, to understand money and using money, that we will come to you with open hearts, Father. Help me as I bring your word across, and I really am. We always are messengers of your word, God. But as I bring your message across this morning, I pray that you'll fill me with grace and truth. Um, I pray, Father, that you will help us get convicted on the subject. For your benefit, we do everything for your glory, God, including how we 
think about and spend our money, but also, Father, for our benefit, for the benefit of the community and for us individually. So please be with us now, God, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to share um, seven principles this morning that we find in the Bible. Many of you might know this, but it's um, a good reminder. Okay, I don't think we can be reminded enough um, about certain principles in the Bible, especially when it comes to finances, my experience. Our money belongs to God. We read, you know, in Psalm 24, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the water. Everything belongs to God, right? Because God created everything. You know, he is the creator, owner um, of everything. And he even, he even gives us the ability to manage our money. He gives us he gives us everything we own. All of our possessions ultimately come from God. And He even gives us our ability to produce wealth. Deuteronomy 8.17 You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant which He swore to your ancestors as it is today. So even our ability to produce wealth comes from God. You know, we can't claim any credit for anything we do or anything we have. Everything comes from God. Our jobs, our possessions, our car, our house, although they are in our name, ultimately they belong, they belong to God. And if we really get this, that everything belongs to God, even that which I, that which I own ultimately belongs to God, we realize that we need to adopt a steward mind, mindset. We need to have the mentality of a steward. But what, what is a steward? A steward is someone who manages the owner's assets for the owner's benefit without any sense of entitlement to those assets. It's the job of a steward to know what the owner wants and then to carry out the will of the owner. I've shared this story before, but it's still you know, my best way of understanding this, and I, I remind myself of this often. Um, years ago, when my mom's health suffered, um, she had a, you know, an investment set aside, and she gave me power of attorney. She signed, and she handed over everything to me. I had access to her money, uh, and she trusted me. You know, I th I'm pleased that you know, God's given me a few things, which I'm grateful for. He's given me a sense of responsibility and honesty. And I, I needed those things to manage my mom's money. And the money went towards her, her will. And, you know, it was mainly to cover medical expenses that weren't covered by medical aid, you know, to get a, a, a reliable, caring, full-time nurse for her at one stage. And I would think before I spent any money, I would talk to her, what do you want, mom? Sometimes she wanted some money to go to a grandchild. Now, that was her will. All I did was to, you know, was to manage her money as she wanted it to be managed. You know, it was in my name. She transferred it to me. I could have done whatever I wanted with it, right? And I encourage us to have that kind of mindset. Imagine that God comes to you and he says, I'm going to give you power of attorney, right? And it's only because of the power of attorney that your name's on your bank balance, that your, your house is in your name, 
you know, that your name is the owner of the car, but ultimately use these things as I would like you to use them. Use these things for my will and to glorify me. Okay, so, you know, our money belongs to God. We are simply stewards, and we need to be responsible stewards. Second point is that our hearts follow our money. Matthew 6, this is Jesus speaking. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, what we put our money in, where we invest our money is where our hearts will go. Where we currently are spending our money tells us where our hearts currently are. You know, I can look at, and you're welcome to look at mine, we can look at each other's budgets and where our money goes, and that will be a picture of what is important to us. You know, what we are loyal to, where our allegiance is, you know, if we look at how we spend our money. So if you want to know where your heart really is, check your bank statement. Now look at your credit card statement. Uh, look at your shopping receipts and slips. Look at your schedule. You know, how do you spend your time? You know, how do you invest your, your gifts and talents? That reflects what's important to you and where your heart is, where our hearts are. Our hearts follow our money. You know, at one stage when I was a young, when I was young in my career, I had a little bit of money over, extra, you know, before, you know, kids and cars and then, and I had a bit of margin and I invested it in shares. A friend of mine and I, you know, we, we got into this together and I invested in some gold shares. And every day I would check the gold price. I would look at the JSE, you know, the statements in the, I don't know if they're still in the newspapers, but there were two or three pages, all the different categories of shares, and I would look for Egoli shares. And if it went up, I was happy. If it went down, I was, oh, what's going on? I don't know about, right? You know, my, my heart followed my money, my investment. It became really important to me. You know, so our hearts <coughs> follow our money, the things that we invest in. And if we invest in earthly things, things that will not last. And that is our priority. Uh, no surprise then that our hearts will follow that. We will lose our kingdom focus. If we prioritize, you know, things that are not going to last into the age to come. No, but when we invest in God's mission and in his priorities in his kingdom, in things like giving food to the hungry, Right? In making a warm meal for somebody today and finding a homeless person who is freezing, giving them a warm meal and, and, and a jacket. You know, when we, when we go out um, on, on a church benevolent project, you know, to work on Monica's crash and get to know the, you know the little kids there. When we invest in Campus Encounter, you know, that's investing in kingdom stuff and our hearts follow. You know, I've found over the, over the years, and I'm not going to mention names, obviously, but when people 
many people, not all, the many people who leave our church or leave, leave God, it's, let's say that, that as an extreme, one of the first symptoms is that they stop giving financially to God. That's an early symptom. And invariably, if they you know, are not willing to talk about it, and if they don't accept a challenge, you know, to come on, you know, get more connected with God's people. You know, your money will lead your heart back you know, to get connected. When they do not respond to that sort of challenge, invariably they leave. Our hearts follow our money. And where we invest is an indication of where our hearts are. You know, so do you want to get more connected with God's family? You know, do you feel disconnected, maybe not doing that well spiritually? Now, are you investing in the kingdom? And if you don't have money, you know, this is a principle that refers to just how do we serve God's people? And often it's a cause and effect, and we think, I'm not feeling great, so I'm not going to serve, and I'm feeling disconnected, and you kind of wait for some magical moment to cause a switch. But as we decide to invest in the kingdom, money and with skills and different ways of serving, our heart follows. Okay, so that's why you know, Jesus is so concerned about how we spend our money, because he knows that our, our money and our hearts are connected like this. You with me here? Amen. Okay, third point. Give first to God. Proverbs 3 verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. crops. Then your barns will be full to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Um, God instructed his people, you read about this in the law in Deuteronomy and, and Leviticus, he instructed his people to give the first fruits of their crop. Okay? That's a tithe. that was one-tenth. He said, give this to me. It was the best and the first of what they, what they earned. You know, for us it's not crops, but it's, it's money. And it honors God when we have this attitude. You know, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor means to respect, to revere, uh, to regard as important, to prioritize. You know, so God feels honored in how we give. You know, and I think the opposite is true. If we feel, or if we don't give at all you know, to God, I think it's dishonoring Him. It's not recognizing His importance. It's not revering Him. It's not respecting Him. Amen? So, you know, our giving is also a reflection of the extent to which we, you know, we honor God. Now, Malachi, this was written, the, the book was written to God's people after God brought them back from Babylon. Uh, remember, they were in exile for 70 years in Babylon. God, after warning his people Israel many, many times through many prophets, they still disobeyed God and he had them invaded by Babylon and taken off to, to Babylon uh, for 70 years. Uh, as a way of, um, I guess, disciplining them and also to, to encourage them to turn back to him. They turned back to him for a little while. Uh, things didn't go so great. They were supposed to come back to, or rather he brought them back to Jerusalem to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. And one of the first things they did was to stop giving their tithe. And this is how you know, God uh, you know, responded. He said, you are under curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. 
couple of things here. Um, God experienced it as robbery. You know, that the people who were giving their tithes suddenly compromised. They weren't given, giving their full tithe. And God says, you're robbing from me. You know, it's kind of important for us to under, understand that, that, you know, we, we are robbing God if we are not giving God what, what he is due, if we're not honoring God with, with our wealth. Um, and then he said, you know, the tithes and offerings were to be given so that there would be food in God's house. The purpose of the tithe back then was primarily to support the priests who ministered before the God, before God um, in his temple, his house. And when the people did not bring their tithes, the priests were not properly supported. Okay, so, you know, what, we, what I also want to stress, and, you know, we often say this, is that God doesn't need our money. God didn't need the tithe. Now, we can easily stop there and say, okay, that's cool. You know, I don't have to give. You know, God doesn't really need it. Okay, that's not the point, right? <laughs> fact is, God owns anything. You know, he can, if he wants to, he can take all the money out of all our accounts just like that and put it in someone else's account. Now, God can do anything, right? So, he doesn't need our tithes, our giving. And I don't want to focus only on tithes, but our, our sacrificial giving is good for us. It's for our benefit. And we've covered two things, right? Our sacrificial giving helps guard our hearts, okay? Because our hearts follow our, our money. So it's good for us. It guards our hearts when, when we give sacrificially. And secondly, it supports the work of the church. Now, we don't have priests nowadays, but the purpose of the tithe was to support the work in the temple, the temple. Now, the church is, we are the temple of God. So our giving helps one another, you know, but our giving also supports the costs of the church. You know, if we had full-time leaders, which we, you know, paid leaders, which we don't, our money would support the full-time paid leaders. Right. So God doesn't need the tithe. The tithe is for us. It's for our benefit, our hearts, and so that we have a healthy, sustainable community um, with people who can be supported for the ministry work and then God says put me to the test I think this is the only time in the Bible Jesus says you know test me in this put me to the test um, he says give your tithes and I will out give you he's essentially saying he says that I will give you even more uh, and the, what God gives to us the blessings are material blessings certainly you know, God you know, is a good father. He, I certainly have experienced at times that God's given me this amazing, unexpected financial gift. Well, I didn't expect that. A refund from the receiver. Awesome. You know, or man, a bonus. I didn't think we were getting bonuses this year. Amen. You know, God can bless us. He can give us special deals on cars, etc. But more importantly than even those physical blessings, the material blessings, he blesses us with relationships. We heard that last week from, from Levuyu. You know, God's blessings are spiritual. They, they're relational. Um, friendships. Okay, this is all part of this. God says, you know, sacrifice with your money. And we're speaking about money today, but the principle applies to with yourselves, with your gifts, your talents, your time. And you will see that I'll open the floodgate of blessing. This is not prosperity gospel stuff, right? 
we can't say, man, I'm going to give and God's going to give me a, I'm going to give a thousand rand, God's going to give me a hundred thousand rand, a hundred times more. We don't speak that nonsense in this church, okay? It is nonsense. That's not biblical, right? Uh, let's be clear on that. But the blessings will come. And I've experienced that so often um, individually. And I'm not at all a perfect example, but one thing I do I do really appreciate is when I was taught, you know, and, and I was taught as a, to become a disciple and the teaching continued, is that um, it was made very clear to me that I should give to the church. You know, in those days you said it, right? But I didn't need to be convinced because I, was, I understood the scriptures and I, I trusted the scriptures. And, you know, I have never earned a salary that I have not tired on. Not sorry, that I've not given, not always a ten percent. And back in the day, when I did forget to like update my EFT, you know, from I had it for a month, for a year rather than Sunday January comes, oh, you know, it didn't go through. I was encouraged to backdate it, right? Fine, give in February, times two. And we are radical, hey, but I mean, you, God's blessed me in so many ways, you know, materially, I'm blessed. You know, and I'm blessed with relationships and children and a wonderful wife and so many friends. Experiences, and many of you have, it's not just me, around, around the world many disciples have experienced the blessings when they choose to pledge and to stick to their pledge. Even when it doesn't make sense. Remember that lesson, follow me, even when it doesn't make sense? Sometimes things don't make sense. And we need to be wise and we need to get advice, obviously, right? And so please don't go overboard and sell everything and give it to the church, amen? But no, we're going to give it back to you, right? Unless you've really prayed about this and you thought about it carefully. Right, God doesn't ask us to sell. There's one person in the Bible, he said, you don't sell everything and give to the poor. Because Jesus knew that guy's heart. His heart was so connected, him and his wealth, that Jesus is only a good thing for you. You just got to get rid of everything. Your heart is just so trapped by your wealth. God, Jesus doesn't say that to all of us, right? But, you know, he does call us, you know, to give sacrificially. God himself, going way back to the Old Testament. But amen, I'm talking too much. Let's move on. Haggai 1, I, just, I haven't got the passage up there, but this is really good as well. Haggai um, was written before Malachi. Um, Haggai was written when soon after the Israelites returned to Jerusalem and they were supposed to build the temple. Okay? And we read that there was a bit of resistance and they didn't push through and they thought we'll carry on building but we'll build our own houses. So instead of building God's house, they started building own houses. Now they were in Babylon, this wealthy empire, they saw all the fancy houses, they thought, oh, let's bring some of that to Jerusalem, right? So they started building, they say they fine paneled houses. Now in those days, I don't know what it looked like, but if you had a paneled house, it was like, whoo, this is awesome. So they're all building their fancy paneled houses instead of building God's temple. God basically tells them that, God told them that what you're going to find is the harder you work and the more money you own, the less money you have. He basically said to them using our language, I'm going to put holes in your pockets. It's a lovely illustration, isn't it, right? You want to stuff your pockets with your money, guess what? The money is just going to fall through the holes. And that's what they experienced. You know, they, the more they, they got, the less they seemed to have. 
I remember a time in, in, in my life where I experienced that. Before I was a disciple, I was very much into my career, making money, pushing for bonuses. And at one stage, I was earning a lot of money, but for the life of me, I don't, didn't know where it was going. You know? It was like, I don't have much to show for this. Um, it can happen so easily. Now, when you've got lots of money, it encourages you to spend even more. And you end up having less than you would if you just had like an average salary. You know, I look at you and I don't think this applies to anybody, but I'm going to say it, right? Um, you know, maybe if you are earning a salary and you're not giving, and you're not giving, you know, to God and His mission, and you earn a pretty decent salary, but you find at the end of the month you're just not making it. Unexpected expenses, the money is just not stretching the way it should, right? Have you thought that maybe God's put holes in your pockets? No matter how much money you earn, unless the attitude changes and we stop building our house and we decide to invest in building God's house, maybe we're just never going to break even. We're always going to struggle. You know, God can do these things. You agree, He owns everything. He created everything. He can arrange these things for our benefit, even though it doesn't feel good at the time. Amen. Let's move on quickly. Save wisely. The Bible also speaks a lot about the need to save. However, there is an optimal level of saving, and that's why I say save wisely. Proverbs 21, one of many passages about wisdom in Proverbs, uh, wisdom when it comes to money and possessions. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Okay. I think that's quite clear, right? The wise, the wise store up food, in this case, for the future. But the foolish, you know, like, hey, there's lots of food that's coming, and they just gulp it all down, not worrying about tomorrow or the next week. We can be like that with money as well, okay? We, we need to save for the future. We don't know what the future is going to bring. We cannot assume that tomorrow is going to be the same as today, right? So instead of the temptation to spend that extra little bonus or gift that God somehow arranged for you, that extra bit of money, instead of foolishly spending it all, you know, save some for the future. It's a sign of wisdom. You know, so saving is a principle in the Bible, but Jesus warned about saving too much. Okay. He told this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's where the saying comes from. Okay, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with who, whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. You know, so the parable is of this man who had a, a bumper harvest. And uh, instead of uh, giving a free will offering, which was always part of God's plan, in other words, if you're blessed in a particular way, give more than the tithe. Give it away to your brothers and sisters who are in need. You know, give some to the priests as a bonus. Support the work of the temple. This guy said, no, no, I'm going to build more barns. I'm going to save it for the future. You see, was, that's going to the other extreme. It was selfish. And God said, 
you're not rich towards me. You know, you're storing things up, but you're not rich towards me. So we need to save, but not save too much. Now, what does that look like? I don't know, but there's an optimal level of saving. Uh, you know, you get some people who earn lots and lots of money. You know, they end up, you know, kind of strange characters. Lots and lots of money, but they live in a simple little house and they've got a bank balance this full of money. You know, in uncertainty we, we live in at the moment, uncertain times, you know, those of us who work, we can be tempted to save too much. To save just in case I lose my job next week or just in case, just in case. Amen. You know, I think we must save, but we must be careful that we don't then place our hope in our savings. All right. We, it doesn't stop us from still giving sacrificially to God. Save, but save appropriately. Okay. Wise people save wisely. Foolish people don't save, and foolish people, he says, yeah, you fool. Foolish people save too much out of fear for the future. All right. Fifth point. Fifth point is to avoid debt. Okay. Now, let me say up front that I don't know of anybody who has no debt at all. There is um, acceptable debt, and there's bad debt. Most people, when you buy a house, you would need to take out a home loan. Most people, if they buy a vehicle, they would need to take out some vehicle financing, right? And once again, we need to do that very wisely, making sure that we've got a budget and we can afford to make the repayments. Um, but as far as possible, we should avoid debt. And this, this is one reason we should avoid it. Proverbs 22, verse 7, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Oof. And, you know, I think it's really sad when I hear stories about people who are really struggling, they're poor, and they'll go to a loan shark for 5,000 or 10,000 rand or more. And the pressure that they are put under to repay. If they do have a, a job, you know, the, the person gets the details and the money will go straight out of from your company directly to that person, but or straight out of your bank account. And you end up being a slave, you know, to this person or to this company, right? Uh, we need to avoid those, those situations. And I'm pleased that, you know, our church is able to help people in need. We'll hear more about that later on. Um, but then also, uh, this proverb gives us an, an, another aspect of this. Um, Proverbs 22, do not be the one do not be one who shakes hands in pledges or puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to, to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. In other words, be very careful before you sign a loan agreement. Okay? Be very careful before you put up your assets as surety. Because if you don't pay, they'll come and take your furniture. That happens, doesn't it? Okay, so... You know, debt sometimes is unavoidable, and borrowing money is not always wrong, you know, to buy an asset, for example, as I said. But we need to make sure we can make the repayments, and um, we need to make sure that, that we get lots of advice. If we are genuinely struggling, we can't put food on the table, um, avoid those, those debt shocks, right? And there are many of them, aren't there? You end up paying three times the amount of money, um, my 
My cousin, years ago, he was in a bad situation financially. Um, we spoke about it and he was able to get, get some help. But I think he felt too embarrassed at one stage and he went to a, lo a lone place and they came and physically threatened him. You know, knocked on the door and threatened to beat him up. It was horrible. You know, and that's, that's how you treat a slave. Um, amen. So church, be careful, right, when it comes to, to debt. Almost there. Make, make plans. The Bible speaks a lot about making plans. And in a financial sense, it's budgeting, right? A budget is simply a financial plan. Where are you going to get your money from? How are you going to spend it? Proverbs 21 verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. Now this word haste, it refers to being impulsive. Not thinking through things carefully. Um, you know, King Solomon, wise King Solomon, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase this, okay? You can read it in your own time. He basically says, yeah, look after your assets. You know, know your, you know your cattle in the fields and your crops. Know what you have. Manage what you have very carefully. And then when you go through different seasons, you will have enough. You, you know, you, uh, you will be provided for. You'll have plenty of goat's milk to feed your family and to nourish your female servants, right? And you'll have goat's milk, extra goat's milk to, to sell. Um, you know, so he's basically saying, yeah, be aware of what you have. Manage it carefully. You know, and there's also an aspect of discipline in here. You know, good financial management, managing our finances well, requires, requires planning and it requires discipline. He's speaking here about a guy who's on top of things, right? And he is responsible and he is disciplined. And then finally, get advice. <clears throat> now we as disciples should know the benefit. We've all experienced the benefit of getting advice on a whole lot of different topics. There are too many to, to list here, but all sorts of topics. When we face with a big decision or a choice, um, I'm not talking about small things, you know, like should I put my raincoat on when I go to church, but you know, big decisions that can affect us and can affect other people. We're encouraged to get advice. And I think what we often forget to mention is that our first, our first place to get advice should be God, right? Pray. Okay, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, he hears us. There are many you know, scriptures on prayer, but I, I like this one because God has a will. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we pray according to his nature, his character, his will. And God has a will for how we, how we manage our finances. This is what we've been covering today. You know, so you know, if you face you know, financial difficulties and you don't know what to do, there are choices you've got to make, go to God. And listen to his will, which, by the way, you find in the Bible. Okay, he won't tell you anything that's not in the Bible. So get your heart right in the right posture with God. Put it to God. You know, put your you know your financial difficulties before God, and hold on to the promises that God says that He will take care of us. Seek first the kingdom, He says, Matthew six, and I'll give you all these things, all the things that are the basic needs in that context. Remember, not prosperity gospel. God says He'll take care of our needs if we if we put his rule and reign first. Okay, so as you pray, you, sh you will 
as you really connect with God, these scriptures will come to mind and it will give you some direction. But then ask other people for advice in terms of the specifics. There are a number of Proverbs. I'll go through these quickly. Proverb, sorry, plans are established by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. Proverbs 24, surely you need guidance to wage war. And victory is won through many advisors. You know, this is about war. And you might think, oh, what's this got to do with finances? I think it has everything to do with finances because we are in a war. We're in a spiritual battle. And because our hearts are so connected with our money, Satan wants our hearts, doesn't he? God wants our hearts. And what's the one thing that will determine where our hearts go? It's money. You know, Satan plays with, with us. He tempts us with money. What should we spend it on? Should I be responsible? Should I take that loan? Why don't I get that nice car now, even though I can't afford it yet? Okay, that's how Satan wins our hearts. So we are in a battle. And when we're in a war, we need advice. You know, we need advice from, from many people. We're in this cosmic battle, you know, for our hearts, for our loyalty, for our allegiance. And both God and Satan know how connected our hearts are to our money. So that's where they'll work. Not directly on our hearts. You know, Satan is his schemes. He will, he will encourage us and tempt us with the things of the world as he tempted Jesus. Remember, he says, look at all the kingdoms. I'll give this all to you. Okay? He was trying to win the heart of Jesus. So that's why, you know, we need advice in this area especially and i just find that it's difficult to talk about money to one another isn't it i don't know why but i think satan wants to make it difficult right um it's awkward you know we feel sometimes guilt we feel shame um, as i said we even feel anger sometimes if someone tries to get in there and have a look at our budgets obviously we do it out of love we do it because we you know we, we love each other but I really believe that um, at all times, but especially at the moment where many of our members are not connected to this church the way they should be, where many of our members are not prioritizing God and his kingdom the way they should, that we need to understand why. And I suggest that if we look at our financial situations and the decisions we're making, we might find a lot of the reason in that. That's just what I think. And that comes from some experience as well. Amen. So let's open up. You know, let's bring it into the light. And let's treat each other with grace and truth. And help each other to get our hearts back to God and to God's family. Seven truths. Our money belongs to God. Our hearts follow our money. Uh, give first to God. Save wisely. Avoid debt. Make plans. Get advice. All right. So that's finances 101. Did you like that? I thought, a bit, sorry. I thought it was a good idea, but I'm not so sure. Sorry. <laughs> You'll see it again, I'm sorry to say. Okay, so. All right. That was early hours of the morning. Hey, man. You'll remember that. Come on, you'll remember that one thing, eh? You've got to have one thing to hold on to. The spinning wheel. Okay, yeah, here's a... Um, not my budget. I'm sure it's not one of your budgets, but it's just an illustrative budget. And budgeting is important. It's part of planning. Okay, assume your, your net income is 18,500 after taxes. 
And this is how I see God encourages us to develop or, or, or prepare our budget in terms of what we're going to spend. First, tithe, 10%, not necessarily tithe, but I'm just using this as a perfect example. Maybe you can't tithe yet, so it could be less. But on top of your budget, your expenses should be, how much do I give to God and His work? I really believe that needs to be top. That's the first fruits, right? Give first to God, honor God. Secondly, savings, right? It's important to save. What is a, an appropriate level? Maybe on 18,500, it's 1,500. You might have some pension fund as well that comes off, so maybe that would be okay. You've got to pay rent, right? You've got a vehicle, young guy maybe, young, young lady here. You're paying off a, a vehicle. You've got to insure the vehicle, right? You need petrol. You need food. Can't be a guy. There's not enough money for food. Amen. Uh, clothes, right? <laughs> Three fifty. <laughs> Young single brothers. Hey, entertainment. You might want to bring some friends around. You might want to take friends out for coffee. Okay, um, that's, I'm sure I've missed a whole lot of stuff. Okay, I'm just. This is just illustrative. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that we forget so often: budget for margin. Why? Because things are going to go wrong. Your car tires need to be replaced. Your cars break down. Okay? Um, there's that extra expense at school for the kids. Um, and, and, and. So many things can go wrong. The fridge packs up. Okay? So try to aim to budget for a little bit extra and put it away for crises. Okay? For unexpected things. And you know, I said I'm speaking about finances 101. I'm going to distill all of this into three words. How do I manage my finances? All the words I've said today, I believe, are summarized like this. You give first. You save and you live off the rest. Give to God. Save wisely. Live off the rest. Up front, I said the order is important, right? The order of things is important. Too many people, I'd say including Christians, start here. They live off the budget, right? If there's a little bit left to save, maybe. If there's nothing left at the end of the month to give to God, tough. Okay. It's upside down in the world. But the godly way is give, save, live off the rest. And apologies for this, but amen. <laughs> Finances 101. Thank you, church.